There are two kinds of people in the insurance industry. Those who are captive and those who are free. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Captivity can go far beyond the companies you represent. It starts between your ears and its impact is felt in every corner of your business. We're all about helping agency principals and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your freedom. If your goals are big enough, you're going to have to get uncomfortable to be able to reach them. Our team at RiskWell is living this out every single day. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and everything I learn along the way. We deliver relevant, tactical, and actionable content from industry peers, innovative partners, and a variety of leaders from other business verticals. We're not holding anything back. There's no upsell, no guru pitch, and no fluff. It's time to unshackle yourself from captivity and make your freedom jump with the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. All right, folks, back for another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. We help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. My guest for this episode is a stranger to very few people out there. He and his brother have uh, been in the insurance game for a lot of years. Uh, they are the co-founders of Glovebox. It is Mr. Ryan Matheson. Ryan, thanks for joining us, man. James Jenkins, what's up, brother? How are you? You know, I, I have saved you and Andy as like precious gold nuggets for podcast guest stardom, and I haven't ever reached out because I knew that at some point I was going to have you guys on, one or both of you, and it was going to be a great episode. And then we reach a milestone with Glovebox, which we'll get into in a few minutes. And it just seemed like the right time to reach out and be like, hey, dude, the time has come. Let's record an episode. So here you are. We made it, man. I appreciate it. It's uh, it's an honor to be here. I mean, everybody knows James Jenkins and that uh, that podcasting voice. So, man, You know, <laughs> I, I never know what to say other than thank you. I can't really take credit for it. God gave me what I've got, and I'm just trying to do the most with it. You know, I, I first, I got to give you a shout out, man, your hometown Denver Nuggets, literally, you know, less than a week ago, as we record this wrapped up their first ever NBA title in dominating fashion, dominating fashion, winning uh, in five games over the Miami Heat. So congratulations. I know you're a big Nuggets fan. That's got to feel great, man. Man, we're diehards. Uh, to say that Denver has been waiting for this for so long is such an understatement. We got to go to game five. My dad actually snagged some tickets. And so got to go with my sister and my brother. And there's this dude next to me, guy's hammer drunk. Like it was a party. And he leans over to me and he starts talking to me about the Nuggets old arena called McNichols. If anybody knows the Denver Nuggets back in the day with the Kame Matumbo, it was mm. McNichols arena. And he was talking about how he's had season tickets since McNichols. And man, it brought me back to when I was a kid because my dad used to take me to McNichols, you know, when we didn't have much money, you know, he would scrounge together some cash to get tickets. It was cool, man. It was cool to finally uh, win that championship. We've been waiting for that for a long time in Denver. So hmm. it was cool. Yeah. Now, I don't think the Rockies have ever won anything in baseball. The Avalanche have been a great hockey team for a long time. Didn't they win a cup just a few years ago? They won last year. Yeah. So we won Avalanche last year. Oh wow! Uh, nuggets this year, and the Broncos have fallen off a cliff. So you know, and yeah, Russell Wilson <laughs> led them to one of the worst uh, years in the last twenty, and John Elway is no longer with the team at all. So <laughs> it's like you know, it's it, we're on a we're on a seven year playoff drought. It's brutal. <laughs> wow. So now I'm a huge Russell Wilson fan. Hopefully, he can turn it around, man. You know, Denver is one of those cities that stands out as just a great travel destination because. You know, you're you're literally on the edge of the Rockies and all the beautiful stuff in the mountains is is less than an hour's drive away. But just Denver on its own is a really cool town. Great, great nightlife, great restaurants. You know, there's a lot to do. It's got to be a lot of fun being a, a Denver native. Yeah, we love Denver. It's very similar to Austin. If you want to compare it to a Texas city, it's it's very similar. It's eclectic. You know, you get a, a, a melting pot of different people. Uh, a lot of people from California, a lot of people from the Midwest. But um, it's a cool spot, man. It's gotten expensive. I would say cost of living is up. But, man, it's a great place to grow an insurance book. I'll tell you that much. 
Now, you, you bring up an excellent point here because, of course, this is a podcast from the insurance industry. So at some point, we'll talk something about you know insurance life. Yeah. You were born and raised in insurance land, right? Talk about that. Yeah, my dad. Uh, my dad. So my dad started in um, uh, real estate in the late '80s. So he was doing like he he was taking hard money loans to to uh, buy rental properties, and the market crashed in the late '80s, and he lost it all. Um, and someone dragged him into a uh, a country financial office, and um, that was in like '92, and he started that agency. Um, about a, about two or three years later, he was uh, he had the progressive phone on the other side of the office. Mm. So if somebody didn't want country, hey, call my progressive guy. He was the progressive guy. They don't like that very much. I know you come from the captive world. You can't do that. So once his yep. boss found out that uh, he was the progressive guy, he got shown the door and he jumped out literally the next week and, and opened up a scratch independent agency and never looked back. So man, love that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, remind me, I don't have any idea how old you are. You were, you were a kid at that point or were you not here yet? Yeah, I was, uh, like seven, seven. when that happened. Okay. So, you know, he would take us to the office on Saturdays cause you got to go into the office, make phone calls. So we'd be, you know, hanging out at the office. He, mm. he, he showed that, uh, that grind, that weekend night grind. So man, nothing like having a, a good hard work ethic instilled in you and yeah, from the stuff that you've said, it, it's obvious that family was very important to your dad, and he did a, a good job of of making time for for family time and to be a dad and not just a grinder full time, right? Yeah, man, he coached uh, my brother's baseball team for years. Um, you know, he, yeah, he 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 was there, and he showed us entrepreneurship. Like he showed us why I like working for myself and not somebody else. You know, even if you had. Even if it's more work or less money, it's it's preferred in my family. It's just we're we're bred to be entrepreneurs. Love it. Now you're yeah. a family man yourself. Now what's uh what what's the story there? How many kiddos? Uh, what's going on in the family world? Yeah, man, I got three kids: uh, ten, nine, and six. My my youngest just turned six last weekend. Uh, wow. Boy, girl, boy, they're addicted to football, basketball. My daughter dances six days a week. My wife's a uh, cheerleading coach and an art teacher at their elementary school, and we do the full thing, man. We're we're on the go. No kidding. I never heard that so, about your wife. That's an that's a little wrinkle I hadn't had before. Yeah, she's she is never not busy. <laughs> like she's wow. always busy. Yeah, if there's thirty minutes, she'll fill it with something. So. so how does it work with you guys both? It sounds like she's an alpha dog and a go-getter just like you are. What's that dynamic at home when both of you being such high energy people? Yeah, you know, she was also uh, raised by an entrepreneurial family. Her grandpa uh, started First National Bank out here in Colorado. Um, so he was kind of an icon up in Fort Collins, uh, was inducted into the Business Hall of Fame, got an, uh, an honorary MBA built a, a library up there. So she had those mentors in her family. She's used to the entrepreneurial kind of side of the house. So we, we vibe really well, man. She, she knows, she understands the grind. She never busts me for, you know, having to work late or, or long hours. She understands it's a, it's a sacrifice. Love that, man. Well, what's her name? Yeah. Her name's Cammy. 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 Awesome. Shout yeah. out to Cammy Matheson. Way to be an awesome helpmate. Good job. Yeah, and uh, it sounds like she's got her own skins on the wall being, an, you know, you said an art teacher and a cheerleader coach or yeah, dance man. coach. If you've, uh, I don't know if, if I doubt you've ever seen it. Maybe you have, but there's a cheerleading uh, show on Netflix for the Navarro College. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they, they all cheer for uh, cheer athletics in Texas, it's based in Texas. She yeah. works for cheer athletics in Denver. So she hmm. coaches for cheer athletics, super competitive. No, really, really yeah. small world. Uh, when I went, I went to junior college before SFA and Angelina College, where I went to my first two years at JUCO, plays yeah. Navarro. It's in, they're in the same same league in junior college. It's Region 14 for the NJCAA. So I'm actually really familiar firsthand with the Navarro cheer program because yeah. I've been I've been in the gym when they were cheering against us. Because uh, yeah. I, I was briefly on the basketball team at, at Angelina before I tore my ACL. And that feels like an eternity ago. It's, I mean, really, it was uh, 21 years ago. So I guess it is Crazy. basically an eternity. But yeah. uh, that Navarro pro, maybe even 20 years ago, before they got real famous, it was like, holy crap, y'all are super intense. Like every bit as intense as any other athlete. 
So yeah, I mean the pedigree, the pedigree that comes out of that place. I mean, yeah. cheerleading, if you don't know anything about it, is a brutal sport. A brutal yeah. sport. I mean, it, they, it is incredibly hard yeah. on people's bodies and the same level of athleticism as any other collegiate sport. I mean, cheer is right there with it. Oh, absolutely. It could be worse, man. I mean, the injuries that my wife sees are crazy. I can't so. even imagine the concussions and, you know, rolled ankles and torn Achilles tendons and ACLs and all this, all the things, man. Broken. Yeah. Broken everything. Yeah. For sure. But um, what about you, man? You're hot off the uh, the book release. How does that feel? It, it feels awesome, honestly. I'm really glad to have it done. The actual release part has been kind of clunky, just figuring out some wrinkles there. We fired our publisher because they're awful and took yeah. so long to get back to me for every little thing. I don't know why I didn't self-publish. You know, After this experience, I'm like, wait a second, why did I pay you fools anything? It literally did absolutely nothing for me. I spoon-fed them every little thing. So ended up going to Amazon Direct, uh, got some advice from our friend David Carruthers because he's self-published a couple of books. Yep. But it's it's ready now. It's live on Amazon. By the time this episode airs, we'll have done the big announcement and my cover photo on all the socials will be all about the book and you know trying to drive traffic there. So it's all about helping people launch a scratch agency especially those that are coming out of the captive world. So, the, you know, the farmers in all states and state farms and AMFAMs and American yeah. nationals of the world that see the grass being greener over here in the IA channel, but just can't quite figure out, hey, what's the best way for me to do that? I want to go independent. I just want to avoid making a bunch of costly mistakes and taking a long time to get successful. The The whole point of leaving captivity, which is the title of the book, is shortening that on-ramp or that runway, whatever analogy you want, and help people get to their version of success faster and avoid some of the mistakes that I made in the last four years. Passive least resistance, man. I mean, yep. it's, it's gold. I, the number one thing you can do as a new producer or a producer coming from the captive to the independent channel is to have a really solid mentor, someone yep. that can show you the ropes. Otherwise, you will spin your wheels and you will waste a lot of time and a lot of money. Yeah, that is very true, man. And I, I know that's something that you've seen firsthand because you weren't just born and raised in insurance. It has become your career as well. Talk about the family agency side of things because, you know, we'll get to the glove box thing. And just about everybody uh, who is listening to this podcast is at least aware of glove box. Maybe they're not a user of the platform, but they've, they've heard of it. Glove box has become a household name for the client experience platform, the, you know, the client login and, and being able to have all the things that glove box does. And we'll get into that in a second. It's really important to note, though, that Ryan and Andy Matheson aren't just tech guys that are playing the insurance game. Like you have legit street cred because you've done the agency game. You've been in the in the trenches. You've had the client uh, relationships. You've done the channel partner stuff. You've earned thousands and thousands of referrals as an insurance agent. So what was your experience like working in the family agency and obviously going through the the exit uh, that you guys did, you know, taking a, a nice big payday and you know, taking advantage of, of some of that capital to launch what is now Glovebox. You know, I'd love to hear that story. Yeah, it's always fun to reflect, right? When you've had like a full end-to-end -end experience, it's always fun to look back. Uh, and, it, you know, it started for me. I wasn't planning on going into insurance like everybody else. Like, I, I know you weren't trying to get into insurance. You were trying to go to the NBA, right? Like, we yep. all had other yep. dreams. Uh, my dad... I remember he, we we grabbed lunch. I had a good job at the time. This was during the the recession, and I was lucky enough to have a job during that time. I was fresh out of college, and he was like, "Look, man, I I need to grow the agency. I need help. I can't do it on my own." You know, he had maybe seven people at the agency at that point, four to five million in premium at that point, and he said, "Look, you're gonna have to earn it." You're going to have to come in and start from the ground, but let's grow something. And, you know, I'll show you what I know and we can go from there. And so took, took $150,000 pay cut and started, uh, came in commission only. First day, slapped some X dates, you know, paper on my, we didn't have a CRM, it was just stacks of paper on my desk and said, start dialing, man. <laughs> That's how Dude, it started. I've never heard that part of the story. That's oh, insane. Yeah. Uh, that is show me straight anything. up insane. Didn't teach me about insurance. I knew nothing. I knew zero. Zero about insurance. He just said, start dialing. Wow. <laughs> so, 
So remind yeah. me, what were you doing before? You, you took a huge pay cut. What were you doing before? I was doing uh, internet advertising for uh, small businesses in Denver, right. um, okay. and, which was which was tough, man. I mean, we were hardcore cold calls. You know, during the recession, businesses weren't spending money. You know, mm. I had that sales training. I had done it for a while. I sold cars in college, so I I knew sales, but insurance was a whole other animal, man. It, it's a different dynamic because you're selling a product that everybody needs, but not everybody wants to deal with it. So it's like it's but a yin you, and a you, yang. You touch on a really important thing here, man, and and it is something that we've talked about in hotel bar lobbies, like three or four times in the last few years, sales is sales and yeah. it doesn't really matter what you're selling. And yeah. as you just said, you know, you kind of low key put it out there, but you got your chops in the sales game. You built that muscle memory. You got over yeah. that call reluctance. You had some confidence in just picking up the phone and making the work happen, which yeah. I, I think is probably a large part of why you were so successful, wildly successful in the agency game because Colorado insurance group or that was the name, right? Yeah. Colorado insurance. Yep. Okay. Colorado insurance. Yeah. It, it absolutely yeah. exploded. Your dad's wildest dreams came true and you and yeah. Andy were in, in the middle of an absolutely ridiculous growth curve over a few years. We grew, uh, once we started figuring out that we didn't need to cold call uh, prospects, we needed to cold call referral partners. Yep. That's when everything changed for us because it's like, oh, light bulb. Why would I call one person that provides one account when I can provide call one person that'll provide me hundreds and hundreds of accounts that'll continually be sending deals? Um, once I shifted my mindset toward that and I started uh, formulating a plan of like, OK, I'm going to go out and start talking to lenders. Here's what I'm going to say. You start learning their business. You start learning the angles. Here's how I can help refis, new purchases, blah, 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 the whole thing. That's when it exploded, man. We had an aha moment of like the faucet turned on. And once it's on, you can't turn it off. It's man, crazy. I love it. Yeah. yeah. The, the beautiful thing is there are so many different flavors of that channel partner relationship where, yeah. it, you know, maybe for... Like for us now, it's it's well known in the circles that I run in. We're 100% commercial now. We sold our personal yep. lines book. So obviously, I couldn't care less about mortgage lenders and realtors at this point. Yep. So many folks are trying to get those referrals. I would, I'd be missing a good opportunity because I, I know that Andy did a lot more of just the, like the direct marketing stuff. So he was involved in a lot more of the grunt work at getting those relationships kicked off. But I'd love to hear your perspective on the to the channel partner game, the referral game. How in the world do you cut through the noise? Because every single insurance agent that knows what they're doing is yeah. out there begging for those same referrals, going after the same people that that our listeners are trying to find a way to you know penetrate, to cut through that noise and and have a real impact and get a seat at the table. What's your take on all that? Yeah, I mean, when I first started calling on my lender network, it's persistency, man. I showed up every single week to their office. I didn't ask. I just showed up. I showed up until they either gave me leads or kicked me out. And that's what I did. You go to see one lender, you meet 10, you meet 20, you meet the processors, you meet the other staff members. You start bringing them lunch, you bring them a happy hour, you start narrowing it down of who you vibe with, right? Because you're going to get along with everybody and that's fine. But you start learning who you're going to work with and that's really how it starts but it's that persistency man and most agents don't have that they don't they don't execute on a persistent basis they do it for a week they do it for 2 weeks it doesn't work they quit and that's what separates the good agents from the bad ones case in point i stuck two of my best lenders who are by the way some of the biggest lenders in the country i put them on stage at one city last year in denver and I let the entire staff ask them questions about how they want to be called on. How do they pick an insurance agent? How, you know, what do they want that, that flow to look like? And neither one of them had an agent that had called on them in over a year. It was crazy. So I had three people from that event try to hit them up to try to get uh, referrals from them. But it, agents, they're not consistent enough in their marketing efforts, and that's where they fail. No, absolutely agree, man. You know, consistency and, and persistence definitely pay off. Yeah. You've demonstrated that 
quite a few times, not the least of which is your current iteration with Glovebox. What was it that made you and Andy say, you know what? Dad's selling the agency. We're going to we're gonna get a nice payday for all of your effort and all your hard work. What was it that made you guys go, you know what? There's a, a hole in uh, the service thing for agents, and we're going to fill it, and we're going to call it Glovebox. How did that come about? <laughs> yeah, it was... Uh... It was about two and a half years prior to us selling the agency that I came up with the idea. I'm sitting at my desk and I'm listening to our 35 CSRs answer the phone all day long. We had 15, 20, 30 minute wait times. We were taking three, four days to get back to voicemails and emails. And I was like, this is insane that this is the process, right? So um, I was I started looking around. It was right about the time that the carrier mobile apps started to release. So there's a couple carriers that are mobile apps. And I was like, this doesn't make sense because I, I have a carrier mobile app over here. It gives me like 10% of what I need because yeah. we, we make the policy changes. We provide the documents. We provide the cross sales. We do the yearly reviews. We do all those things with our clients. How can I send them to one carrier's app? I'm not getting what I need. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Vertifor had their version of it, which we were using. We were a hardcore AMS 360 agency. That's what we used. And it was only taking in downloaded data. It was very archaic. And so we were like, why can't we merge the two of these together? Why can't there be a carrier mobile app with a Vertifor style product and you bring it together and you've got a really interesting concept? So I came up with it about two and a half years before we sold. And it was one of the reasons why we decided to sell. My brother and I decided to, to make it happen. So. Hmm. Yeah. So dad knew that you and Andy had a, a viable opportunity for something big and, and fun, which kind of gave him freedom to exit. Yeah, it worked well. I mean, dude, we were already doing the ITC thing. We were already out in New York talking to InsurTech influencers. We were already starting to talk to agencies. My mind was already there. So no, I love that, man. It, yeah. You and Andy have always seemed like, you know, you more so than Andy. I think Andy's obviously got his own skill set that, that works beautifully with yours. You've got that executive mindset. You're the one who's looking at the at the horizon going, okay, what's next? What do we need to do? Yeah. Where do we need to be? What's the problem we need to solve? Not at all a surprise that you were ahead of the game like that. So I, I'm going to ask a, perhaps a question that you... Feel free to not answer it directly if you don't yeah. want to. I know there's there's some uh, a little bit of edge to it. Why do you think in all of the the rest of the landscape with these three huge players, Applied, Vertifor, and now Zywave coming on the way they have, not late to the party, Vertifor and Applied were, I mean, the two oligarchs for a number of years and still are just massive companies. Why haven't they done something like Glovebox? They are way bigger, multiples, multiples of, of what you guys have in the industry, but they never put it together like Glovebox has. Their product, respectfully, with my you know my friends in Big Orange, their product is not nearly as good as Glovebox and the user experience side of things. Yeah, and we have a great relationship. What do you attribute that to? We love those guys. They're buy over build. You know, if you look at their track record, they're looking to acquire. Uh, you know, Applied's a perfect example. They look to acquire pieces to be able yeah. to, you know, push their tech stack forward. Vertiforce the same way or buy over build. And there hasn't been anything to acquire beyond what they've had for the past 10 to 15 years. They're not going to put a lot of money into what they currently have. They're going to look for the next piece. That's how they operate, which is great. It, it makes them plug and play. But uh, that's the reason why it hasn't happened, because there hasn't been that next player up. It, it doesn't surprise me that that's the answer, because one, I agree with you. I definitely think that buy over build philosophy is accurate. I'm really curious to see with as much talent as they have over at Big Orange and the leadership that Amy Zupon has demonstrated and somewhere around two years on, on the job as CEO. I'm curious if there's any sort of build potential within the Big Orange ecosystem because you know they're really at critical mass now. And at this point, you guys have a huge head start in this particular channel uh, of InsureTech. So they don't exactly pose a threat to Glovebox, but... I, I would almost think it's like you guys got to build at some point. You have so many developers, so many talented people in that ecosystem. I'm I'm surprised other than, you know, the insurance agent app, which I don't even see as real competition because their structure is totally different than Glovebox as far as the real-time API updates and whatnot. You guys don't even really have a legitimate competitor in the marketplace. Like 
there's nobody that's coming up alongside Glovebox and saying, hey, you should use our stuff instead of Glovebox. What, what's going on there? Where is, the, where is the competition? Are you guys just that kind of trailblazers? I, I think, uh, well, to, to kind of talk about your first point, I think you're spot on. Um, Vertifor has the money, right? They could go yeah. build something if they wanted. However, in talk to our partners over there, which again, we've got an amazing partnership with Vertifor, the stuff that they're doing internally that agents haven't even seen yet is, is awesome. They, they still have resources, right? They still have a product roadmap. They still have to take care of their core products, which is the AMS system. And there's so much to do. Ivan's yeah. just released real time downloads and, and, you know, there's, uh, they put out their commercial raider and there's just so much to do, so much to manage. So even though it feels like they have unlimited resources, they have a product roadmap like everybody else. And it's like, where do you yeah. fit something like this? And, and is, is the juice, juice worth the squeeze? I think that's where they're at, right? They're, they're trying to make sure that their platform is, is uber competitive. So I think that's that, but yeah. Hey, Freedom Jumper. Are you looking to take your business to the next level? Who isn't, right? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they understand the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing marketplace. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique or outlandish they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and guidance you need to see your agency succeed, Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't just survive in the competitive insurance industry. Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Get started today. Learn more at nbsbrokerage.com. It, it's really interesting to me as I want to comment on that that one thing because I was in Austin and and you were too of course for for the accelerate conference and it it is such an interesting thing for you to say you've got an interest you've got a great relationship with vertifor because I, I would imagine they would say the same thing about you guys with the orange partner program and whatnot vertifor just occupies a weird place because they definitely partner with you because you guys want to integrate with the management systems and whatnot uh, that they have, but they're simultaneously a competitor of Glovebox in the marketplace, even though they're actively partnered with Glovebox to deliver a great experience for the the client portal and all the stuff that you guys are doing to create an amazing client experience. It the it, it speaks to what we were talking about before we were recording of the complexity and the the dynamic marketplace that we're all experiencing in InsureTech where. You know, a, a a great relationship here, uh, Glovebox and Vertifor, simultaneously business partners and competitors. It's a wild yeah. situation that the industry has right now. It's a, it's a testament to to Vertifor. Um, you know, InsureLink doesn't work with QQ, that so they don't have, QQ doesn't have a, a mobile app or a portal, so we fill that void really nicely. And their philosophy is if AMS three sixty agencies want to use Glovebox over. Uh, and Sherlink, we're fine with that too, because we understand that agencies have different needs based on their business, right? So yep. um, I think that their general approach to working with InsureTechs is is absolutely um, the direction that the market should be heading, as opposed mm-hmm. to some others that are very closed off, use our tech stack, good luck type yeah. of situation. And I'll just so, say it, it's, yeah. it, it seems a lot more friendly than the way Applied does things. Yeah, I mean, Applied is generally pushing their tech stack. They want agencies to use theirs top to bottom. They don't really allow competitors into their space, into their circle. So yeah, no, yeah. I, I'm not going to ask you to make any more comments about uh, other companies because this is your episode, and Glovebox is definitely uh, you know in the spotlight here. So thank you for indulging my curiosity there. Uh, yeah. Just wanted wanted to you know make some sense of that because. It, from my perspective as as a retail agent, it's just a bizarre thing to see this the 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 duality of the relationship, you know, being partners and competitors at the same time. it's it's terribly interesting. You know, yeah. I want to talk about uh, the insurtech thing because you and I got into that before we started recording. We both agree at some of the systemic benefits that you guys have, you and Andy with Glovebox. There's other examples, you know, Peter McDonald and Wonderite, 
uh, and there's some others uh, that are homegrown talent from within the industry. You know, Todd Tams at Mod Advisor or Salt. or, or yeah, Jonathan Salt. at Salt. I know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, you know, David Watson with uh, Risk Advisor, another good example. Yeah, of course, the, the better agency with uh, yeah. Nick. Yes, of course. Sorry. That should have been my first one because, I mean, I'm an investor in Better Agency and I have had go. like five of their people on this podcast. So shame on me for not dropping them first. Well played there, sir. Yeah, goodness, I can't believe I didn't think of Better Agency first. That's that's hysterical. But right. the, the common thread here is every single example, including you and Andy and Glovebox, you come from insurance First, your foundation is the insurance industry, and you see an opportunity, you leverage technology, and you make something happen with the tech. And the whole insure tech thing is grounded in insurance and uses tech as a distribution strategy. Then you get some of these folks out there, and I'm not going to name any names because I don't want to be rude like that, but they've had a lot more difficult time because they started in tech. And tried to come into the insurance industry because they see all the money in our yeah. industry. They get yeah. greedy and they think, oh, I could do that. And they 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 come from a tech position and try to figure out the insurance thing on the fly. And there's a lot of inherent flaws in that approach that you guys don't have at Glovebox and a lot of these other homegrown insurance born and raised kind of founders simply don't have to deal with that. You know, what's your take on? those two different approaches, either starting in insurance and learning the tech versus starting in the tech world and trying to come into insurance and figure it out as you go. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think it's, it's a very interesting thing to look at, right? I think um, I will say this, our business, and when I say our business, it's the independent channel of insurance. It's a very unforgiving landscape. Uh, we are very, very proud of our business. We are very proud of uh you know, the uh, generational uh, businesses that have been built through our channels. And it's, we're very proud of the legacy uh, processes and ways of doing business that have gotten us here. And so if you don't have some sort of sense of the business, if you can't stop when you're designing a product and say, if I was sitting in the agency right now, what would I do here? You know, you just don't have that unless you've been there, man. It's so hard to replicate. And again, this business is unforgiving. If you don't provide solutions that absolutely make sense, you're not going to win. It's really difficult. And that's what I've learned. You know, we we started out not knowing tech at all. We knew nothing. We knew insurance, man. We knew how to sell insurance. We sold a lot of it. And getting into tech was a totally different world. And we knew what we wanted to build. And we didn't realize how long it was going to take right? Everything that we wanted to build, we're still on that journey, right? We're, we're not nearly done with what we want to do, but it's it's tough, man. It's tough to build tech to match what you know you want something to do. It just takes so much longer. So I think the expertise is, is absolutely necessary. And again, we're in an unforgiving business. Yeah. It, it, it is incredibly complex too. It's not yeah. nearly as linear as other agents, you know, other industries. The, the value chain is more like a value web because it's definitely yeah. not a linear process, you know, from in so many industries, you go from, you know, raw material, manufacture, distribution, retail. And it's, it's a pretty linear process. And, yeah. and, you know, even in the tech world, you know, you go from development to marketing, to sales, to support. And it's just fairly linear because you have yeah. an idea you develop the idea, you market and sell the idea, then you support the idea. And then insurance, you have ridiculous complexity in the distribution uh, value chain yeah. from the wholesalers to the carriers to the retailers to the technology stuff. It, it is, as you said, terribly unforgiving and really, really hard compared to a lot yeah. of other industries. And I think a lot of these folks have no idea how hard it is. And they get in and go, oh, shoot. It's the edge cases, man. It's all the edge cases. Like, oh, this agency uses this system to do this, but they use this system to do that. They get their data over here, but over here. It's like, mm. think about it. Think about all of the ways that you're pulling in data. <laughs> and like, just think about that alone. MGAs, carriers, AMS systems, you know, CRMs, Glovebox. Like, you're getting data from everywhere. And it's like, how do you organize that in a way that makes sense? 
And that's the hard part. And then mm. you make it commercially viable to the masses of insurance. It's very difficult. Well, and then when you even what you just said is an excellent point because commercially viable, what does that mean? Who are you viable to? Who is your target yeah. prospect? Because you have literal one person shops where the owner wears every hat because they don't have any team members. And then you go from that all the way up to freaking Marsh and Aon that are, you know, billion dollar annual revenue in the case of, of Marsh, you know, two and a half billion dollars in annual revenue with tens of thousands of global employees and literally everything in between. How in the <laughs> world do you make sense of that as a, as a decision yeah. maker, as an executive in an insure tech company, how do you decide who to listen to and whose ideas and whose complaints to, to take notice of? I put it to you like this, man. Uh, you know, Sean, my business partner, our co-founder, yeah. Sean Ballhurst, best best yeah. insurance hair in the business, in my opinion, but I'm jaded. Uh, and just an incredibly ago. interesting person, too. Like, he doesn't get enough credit. I'm sorry, Sean, that I didn't name you earlier in this episode because yeah. the Glovebox executive team is a three-headed monster. You're right. Carry on. Sorry. Yeah, and Sean was one of our best producers, both personal and commercial at the agency for years. He crushed it. But um, so during COVID, he goes, Ryan, my gate at my house is broken. It's this bolt on my gate. It's like, oh, interesting. That sucks, man. You should fix your gate. He goes, cool. I'm going to fix it this weekend. He pulls the bolt out and he goes, damn it. The whole gate is broken. It needs to be redone. And he's like, all right, I'm going to do that. And then he's looking at his backyard and he's like, while I do that, I could definitely put in a new garage. He's like, my backyard's big enough to put in a new garage. So he gets a contractor out there. The contractor goes, yeah, yeah, you could put a garage right over there. And by the way, your other garage, you could blast through your house and make that like a sunroom with all this stuff. Dude, this project ballooned from him wanting to fix a bolt on his gate to a complete remodel of his entire house, putting up a freestanding uh, uh, garage in his backyard mm. that took like a year and a half. That wow. is how I would explain Glovebox, man. It's like, I wanted to solve this problem. I wanted to put a mobile app out. That was my vision for the company. And I, it's like, well, while I'm at it, might as well look at this process because that's pretty crappy. Like we could probably do something there. And, and dude, it's just, it snowballs. And then it's like, how do you organize that in, in a very, uh, uh, I would say, specific chaos of like, we need to stay focused. Like, we're not going to build a Raider. I'm not going to build an AMS system. And we're not a CRM. But we stay focused on like, here's what we're building. Here's what we can do. Here's here's the the, the workflows that we can better within our product roadmap. But it's extremely difficult. And we've seen we've seen uh, InsurTechs go way too wide on product. And it's detrimental. Yeah. And you know how I feel yeah. about staying in your niche and staying in your vertical and dominating in a, a very clearly defined space. So I'm yeah. I, I'm right on target with you there, man. What's uh what's the big announcement? Uh, you guys made made a made a huge rollout a couple of weeks ago. By the time this episode airs, a few weeks ago. So folks have, may have heard of it, but in case they haven't, what's the shiny new toy you gave us all to play with? We just launched commercial, which is huge. Uh, I'll tell you what, man, I was getting beat up for a couple years. You know, you included, everybody was hitting me up saying, when's commercial going to be out? When's it going to be live? And uh, we spent about eight months designing and, and having conversation with the engineering team, agency bill versus direct fill and the workflows and the certificates and like everything that comes with client interaction, right? And we launched that about eight weeks ago, man. And it was such an experience to finally take that thing from nothing and get it live and, and everything that went into it, man. It was pretty cool to look back and see see what we did on that. So commercial is finally live. And now we're uh now we're excited. We're uh, we're about to drop our brand new desktop version of Glovebox, full desktop, uh engine of your website. It's gonna be super badass. We're about when this drops, we'll be about four weeks away from from release on that, and I cannot wait to show it to people. It is it is awesome, man. No, I, I I'm probably o over the moon a little too much on being able to finally use Glovebox because we we were headed towards not doing personal lines for a while before we officially pulled the trigger on that. 
but the the support for commercial uh, how deep are we talking here what's a uh, got a pretty robust carrier list that you guys are going to be able to pull yep. in Yep. So every single carrier agency and direct bill support, we support full certificates right now. So certificate organization for your commercial customers, uh, they can view them, they can send them, they can request them. Now we are scoping a full integration with Certificial. Shout out to Certificial. Um, we're going to be baking them natively into the platform for um, policyholder facing certificate creation, uh, which is going to be really nice. We're, we're Definitely uh, strategizing on what we want to do with agency bill vendors. Uh, shout out to IPFS. We've been talking to them. So uh, we're, we've been talking to Ascend. We really want to give commercial agents tools that they need to be able to prospect, quote, sell and service business. I won't mention some of the other stuff we're working on, but it's it's pretty sweet. I ran on our commercial team for three years. So again, I'm doing what I wanted. Like, yeah. I'm building the system that I wanted. Glovebox... Really, the first prototype that I made, we tested out on commercial. So we started taking it out to clients and saying, hey, what if we could store all your certs here and all your documents? Is that interesting? And they're like, oh, my God, that'd be super helpful. Like, oh, interesting. So yeah. like, yeah, so we're very invested in commercial. We're very invested in helping commercial producers win. Um, mm. And those are the type of products that you're going to see coming out from us now that the foundation is built. So with the commercial rollout, did you guys also do the manual upload for the agency yep. bill stuff? Manual upload, all documents, uh, automated emails out to the customer when you upload documents, uh, all branded to the agency. Um, again, all the data coming in from the AMS systems, which is beautiful. Yeah, upload certificates. So the full functionality is there. Now we're ready to uh, build on that. Love it. Man, yeah. what a wild time to be... Uh, to be leading the glove box team. You guys have so much momentum. Uh, it's got to be very exciting around glove box HQ. We're working on five different projects simultaneously right now when it comes to iOS, Android web, the systems, the data. Mm. It's so much fun, man. We've got a kick-ass designer that has come in and, and really helped us make the product real. The next year to a year and a half, you are going to see a platform that is unlike anything else available in the market. I can't wait. Love it. You know, yeah. The only thing that's missing for us is the the Nexture and XDTI thing that I know we've, we've been talking about since, gosh, innovation in Nashville in October of last year, you know, yep. coming up on nine or, you know, nine months ago now. So those folks tend to move a little slowly, not nearly as fast as I would like for integration. So I will be patient and not blow up their team asking, hey, what's the status of Glovebox? But I, I've yeah. heard you guys are at least in talks with them to to get some sort of connectivity plugged in, right? Yeah, I think Sean talked to him last week. Uh, I, I believe, he, is it Laney that's running yep. the show over there now? L now Laney Kathy is the CEO, yeah. Yep. yep, yeah. So we met her and Craig a couple years ago in Vegas. Um, nice. Love what, ITC? Love what yep, love what they're doing, man. The type of agencies that they're looking to target are the the high producing agencies uh, when it comes to commercial. So we have a really good fit now and we're, uh, we're pushing for that connectivity. Love it. Anything yeah. I can do there, let me know. Uh, they, they, for whatever reason, decided they really like me and did a whole press release <laughs> and, and whatnot. I'm, I'm going to be doing some promotional stuff for them as we've been very happy with our experience with their, uh, their management system. Nothing at all against the good folks that now certs, you know, Peter Germanoff and their team do a great job uh, for a certain profile of agency. Um, we, we've been very happy with you know, moving into a more a mature life stage of what we're doing at risk well and, and just found next year to be a better fit. So I always feel like yeah. I need to explain myself when we make a jump like that, because obviously the AMS is foundational and we were with now certs for, gosh, almost four years and they didn't do anything wrong necessarily. Uh, it was just a matter of needing some more sophisticated solutions that we found because we're doing hard things and we're more than half agency bill and we don't really fit the mold. You know, I, I love Mr. Ayers. You know, I both are big fans of Nick Ayers. And, uh, you know, that day that he told me, look, you guys aren't our target customer. And I don't think you're ever going to be. And it's just wrapping my head around that of going, we need to figure out the way to make the best of the available solutions. And, and Glovebox definitely uh, is included in our tech stack for sure. How do you deal with the outliers? How do you do? Because a lot of folks have their own way of doing certain things. 
myself included, how do you handle the idea factories like me and others in the industry that maybe not don't don't fit in with exactly where you're headed as a company? Like, how do you take pieces of ideas and work it in to the tapestry that you guys are building with your five simultaneous projects happening right now? It's got to be hard sometimes, you know, and taking people that are perfectly loyal to your platform, but who have complaints or ideas that don't necessarily jive with where you're headed. Yeah, I mean, shockingly, and I, this is not a, a conceited thing by any means, but it we don't really hear a lot of feedback for stuff we don't already have, we haven't already thought about, right? Or go. is on our roadmap. Like, it, I'd be hard pressed to find something that I'm not thinking about. I, I could show you a roadmap, man. It's it, there's 150 things on there that we're considering, right? My okay. job is to say where do we prioritize things? What's the most important right now? self-created certificates that's very important for us it's auto-created id cards through the ams data that's very important to us it's direct carrier data which we've been heavily invested in um that's very important to us so it's it's aligning what's important now and what can maybe wait a little bit and and you know we appreciate agencies that are patient with us so where we can bring to the table what they're looking for most likely we have it on our roadmap it's not Mm. a secret for us but again it's within the constraints of if it, if it is a workflow between you and your policyholder, we want to host it. That's what Love we it. want. If you're, if you're engaging with a policyholder, we want to be the ones to support that. And that's, that's where we live. Love it, man. And that is a, a very polite, uh, and, uh, and delicate answer <laughs> to a question from someone who is a bit of a pain sometimes. I know I'm an idea factory and I, I've come to grips with the fact that that's just annoying to some folks. So I've always appreciated you, uh, you know, rolling with the punches and being perfectly happy to talk shop. It's, uh, it's refreshing from an executive for sure. It's one of my favorite things to do, man. Like I love talking to you. I love no, talking I to, it. I mean, there's multiple people. I mean, uh, Taylor and Brett from urban young. I love talking to those guys, man. Oh, it's man. like such different dynamics, such different like energies, but we're all doing the same thing. We are, I mean, we have our niches and we have, you know, the, the stuff that we like to go after, but we're selling insurance. We're servicing insurance. We're looking for referrals. It's not complicated if you if you you know dumb it down. And you your name dropping is is a plus because I mean Taylor and Brett and Rod over there. Yeah. Wow, and Rod, I didn't mean to leave Rod out. Job. Rod's my guy. So, dude, yeah. <laughs> the beard man. That guy has that Tom Selleck facial hair going on. It is amazing. No, I and he has. If, and by the cool. way, his mother. His mother is one of the nicest people I've ever met. Still. No kidding. Okay. Oh God. Oh yes. Rod. Man, when I Rod. grow up, I want to be like the urban young guys. I really do. Those guys have it figured out. But, yeah, they, they and their their content game, their LinkedIn, their their Facebook, their Instagram game is is crazy strong. And when when I see something from them, I pause for a second and I I watch most of whatever they put out. So uh, I don't know if you guys ever listen to this podcast, but if you do, there's your shout out. Hope you liked it. Um, you know, Ryan, anything we haven't touched on as we land the plane here? I, I know this is a bit of a different episode because you and I have had so many conversations over the years, but this yeah. is the first one with two microphones in our face. Anything else you want to touch on before we go? No, man. I mean, I, I just want to say, dude, watching the maturity of your agency has been special as well, uh, you know, because you've grown quite a bit from where you started. So it's yeah. been cool to see your your journey, man. You're the James Jenkins allure is growing. You can see it. So congrats. I, I appreciate the kind words, man. I, I'm just honestly trying to stay as grounded as possible and and just remember it's what have you done today? And yep. never never for one second think, yeah, I am pretty cool. Because the moment that any of us, you, me, or anybody else listening, you start thinking that even for a second and you start to lose some of your edge. And you take your foot off the gas pedal just a little bit. And next thing you know, that growth curve slows down. And, and the innovation that you were you know, so fond of becomes harder to find because you get more complacent and, and you get soft. I, I hope I never get soft. Just remember this, man. That prospect that you're calling on has no clue who you are. And not yeah. you, me, everybody else. They have no clue who we are. Yeah, so, yeah this yeah. whole micro-famous, this insurance-famous thing is is a bizarre yeah. phenomenon it really is it's, it's our <laughs> bubble man and we love I recognize it, it. so <laughs> yeah. well hey man what's the best way for someone to get some more glove box in their life 
So uh, brand new websites out, gloveboxapp.com. Um, you can always email me direct. It's ryan at gloveboxapp.com. Uh, engage with our socials, man. We always try to keep it popping there. Launch events. We've got some awesome product launch events coming. Happy to host anybody that wants to come. So we're, we're a hmm. family. You know, so, I just tested it out to see what happens if I go to gloveboxapp.com and nothing happens. Somebody is sitting on your URL. What's the story with that? I know, man. So I've been in a trademark battle with uh, the trademark for uh, like three years now. I own the trademark. I own three uh, three different trademarks for Glovebox, but someone stole the damn URL and they want a lot of money for it. So, wow. Yeah. Now that that sucks. I don't know who it is, but uh, shame on them. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we can find a way to get them to take a lot less. So at some point in the future, people will go to glovebox.com instead of glovebox app. But for now, Freedom Jumper, <laughs> listening to this podcast, it's gloveboxapp.com. If you go to glovebox.com, nothing's going to happen because there is no website at glovebox.com. <laughs> it's so, a damn shame. <laughs> oh, it really is. But at some point yeah. in the future, when someone's listening to this back catalog and they go to glovebox.com, something will happen because you will have that URL at some point. I'm speaking that into existence so the universe has to listen. I love that, man. Let's get it. <laughs> All right, brother. Hey, he is Ryan Matheson, CEO and co-founder of Glovebox. You need it in your agency if you don't have it. Go to gloveboxapp.com and learn some more. And that's it for this episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. Make it a great day, boys and girls. We'll talk to you again real soon. Y'all take care. Thanks for listening to the Agency Freedom Podcast. Please subscribe to AFP on your favorite platform to get automatic updates with every new episode and help other people find us. If you like what you hear, please drop us a review and tell the world what you like best. Most importantly, please share AFP with someone you know who is still in captivity. They'll thank you later. Visit our website at agencyfreedom.com to get access to exclusive content and announcements. Join our community on Facebook by typing in Agency Freedom in the search bar. Send your questions, comments, guest recommendations, and favorite grilling recipes to us at podcast at agencyfreedom.com. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. Until next time, let's go.